0: Keggab episode 120 for Monday, June 19th, 2017. Mm-hmm. folks, and welcome to Gig Gab, the podcast by, for, and about working musicians here in Durham, New Hampshire. I'm Dave Hamilton.
1: Here in Las Gatos, California, Paul Kent. How
0: are you doing today, Mr. Paul Kent?
1: I'm doing good, man. It's freaking hot out here. I played two gigs in 96, 100-degree weather this weekend.
0: Oh, man. That's crazy. Yeah. Oh. oh, that's crazy. Yeah,
1: it was kind of crazy you know uh, it affected the crowds that came out for one of them mm. and uh you know a lot of discussion in the band about you know what do you do you know do we do we play through do we take a break if you're gonna lose a crowd you know there was a lot of things that we were kind of talking so oh yeah it was kind of an it was it was a good learning weekend because we haven't had weather like this in a while
0: yeah that's right i played down at the uh hampton clamshell the hampton beach clamshell on on monday night at right after we recorded this episode the last week's episode and uh and it was ninety plus degrees, and we set up, beach. and we set up facing west, so there was no shade until the sun oh. actually went down, yeah yeah, yeah, but
1: that looked like a cool stage. You posted the picture. Is that um a tourist gig or is that a locals gig
0: it's both um, yeah, and in fact, we should talk about that, but I want to uh, have a different discussion right now because we have a guest with us today uh, hey. a, a a local uh, booking agent and musician here in new hampshire paul Costley joining us today paul thank you so much for being here
2: no thanks for having me yeah nice man. to be here welcome I've to the uh, yeah 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 we've heard about these podcasts actually a friend had uh, mentioned it to me uh, fred ellsworth in a local band out here in the boston area so
0: cool very cool so, Paul, you—I've—I've—I I, I, don't know if you and I have ever met in person. We've certainly talked a little bit and uh, and been in the same circles here. But I first encountered you in your capacity uh, as a booking agent, uh, which and you handled tons of acts, and I want to talk about that. Um, but you're also a musician. So how, how did you get started in the in 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 this business that you have now? That's been running for I think a few decades as uh, not so costly productions.
2: Yeah, since 1978. I'm an old guy, oh, man. <laughs> and a full time musician for like 41 years now. But started. Um, in my younger days, when I'm talking like when I was around twenty five, I opened a restaurant. I actually owned two restaurants up in the Lakes region. And and uh, uh because I was a musician, the name of my first restaurant was actually called Beggar's Banquet, which I named after the Rolling Stones album. Nice. And it was uh, Food Food Fit for a King at a pauper's price. So um Love it. <laughs> I opened that in uh seventy six and uh had it for a number of years and, and during that time I always had what i figured good entertainment we were known for music so um i had a lot of uh you know oh guys like tom dean from devon square malcolm mckinney that wrote a lot of songs for like jonathan edwards yeah and, you know we had some in um oh god um just uh, a lot a lot of good acts from back in that day so i did that for a number of years and then when i got out People started calling me and asking me, "Can you get me this band? Can you get me that band?" So um, it kind of continued. But uh, uh,
0: before so it started I started, as to a out, it started just because you you developed these these relationships to book people at your own place,
2: right? And then I was my own chef, and then I'd come out and play myself. You know, it just um, <laughs> that's that, that awesome. A, and then uh, I actually took a little turn before that, and I hooked up with a guy named Joe Fletcher, a good friend of mine who had uh we started a company called big world productions and we were booking national acts so i started the national thing actually more so than the uh local booking agency so we had a thing called big world productions we were doing a lot of stuff at the casino we we're doing stuff at the palace theater um and then he wanted to focus on lots of shows and my focus was to do you know less shows and focus and make them really happen so he went on uh and went his way and I went my way and I think now he has uh, Fletcher Presents and he's actually out on the west coast now oh, um, okay. and then that's when I just got sick of filling stupid riders and headaches with a lot of big egos and I started covering out my knits with the local uh, music thing and uh, that's how I ended up getting out of the national booking arena and went into the local booking and then I've continued doing that since so I like it a lot better
0: very cool okay alright and um it, it, so you um, – so, so, okay, so so this is interesting. You – there are some weekends where you have I, – I mean I've seen you post it, it, like upwards of 100 acts uh, at any given weekend playing out there in, in the busy season. Yeah, summertime
2: I average probably uh, 80 to 90 acts on a weekly basis. Wow. Wow. But – So I, I
1: actually want to tee this up in a little bit of a different way. So clearly – You've been around, you're a musician, so you get the musician's perspective. You've seen the business change over the years. I definitely want to ask a bunch of questions about that. But I think a good place to kind of bring this to a, a starting point, which I, I'm guessing most of the people who listen to this podcast, you know, we should get right to the meat of this type of thing. So so you you, you right now, you're booking clubs you're booking restaurants you're booking you know national touring things right any any sense of the mix like when you say 80 to 100 on a week on a weekend basis what are what is the mix of types of venues that you're booking about
2: well no more national things i do work corporate things and chains i um you know do whole foods market i have a british beer company i do a, a, a few chains um and I do private stuff, you know, for different associations like mass uh, insurance agents, uh, mass flu associations. So I do that kind of thing. But the main bulk of my business would be clubs and lounges, um, those kind of venues. And right. uh, and and I know this is kind of where you wanted to get to, but how it's changed and stuff is. In my early days, it was mostly band venues. I don't care for band venues anymore, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners will know what I'm talking about. Because over the course of maybe the last 10 or 15 years, band venues kind of feel that they don't have the responsibility of bringing in the crowd themselves.
0: Um, (laughs) (laughs) We've had this conversation before, yes. (laughs) Yeah, and
2: so they expect you know, the bands to do it. And that's not the way it was in the early days. We're called entertainers. Our job is to entertain the people that are in that room or the venue and try to keep them there for the night. Um, it's really not the sole person. I, I mean, obviously you want to bring people in, but in the old days I booked rooms, they had their own followings and there was never a conversation. Oh, that band didn't bring in enough people. It just never came up. You know, everybody was kind of doing their thing and now it comes up all the time. So I'm backed out of band rooms. I have a few that I booked that I've kept because they you know, it's just I've been doing it so long and I've got it down to a science with those. But I don't go after new band rooms. I've really focused on getting the uh, solo acoustic rooms because um, there's not as many headaches involved. And I've just yeah, kind out of yeah. my niche with that now. And I just really got sick of uh, owners and bar managers, you know, just kind of complaining and crying all the time. I just So, Paul, you're
1: blowing my mind right now because I, what I really thought we were going to start entering into a conversation, you know, where I thought this the, the jumping off point was going to be is like, Here's my advice to bands. You're you're only as good as the last beer that you sold, but you're actually taking a much more empathetic position on that that like, you know, that's that's kind of bogus and it's and that's, you know, the musicians would say, I get I get that we have to have some responsibility in it, but I know out here in Northern California, the 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 arrow points more to the band and their following than it does anything else and but you're telling me that that probably exists where you are but you just don't want to have any part of that or as little a part of that as you can well
2: i mean it 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 does but i think i i played out oh i played in southern cal uh, back in the 70s down in san diego on ocean beach and uh and, and back then it was still pretty good it wasn't but that, it changed because I have friends like Chris Lester and stuff that did the LA music scene and a lot of them tell me and I've had some friends that have gone out there to you know quote make it and a lot of it is kind of pay to play isn't it out your way where you know you not, you, not you, quite pay to play right I mean I think for original stuff it's to pay to play but yeah and that's that. the people I'm talking about they got to get on a bill with four or five bands and you don't really get any money. It's, you know, you got to sell tickets and, and, and a few places try that out here, but I always stayed away from that kind of thing.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah but- it's it, I I saw some of that down in Southern Connecticut, Paul, when I was uh, living and playing down there, but, but not, it, it wasn't the norm. It, it happened some, but around right. here, I haven't seen it at all. Yeah. yeah
2: and, 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 and don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not saying that you shouldn't, be bringing in a crowd because obviously it helps if you do and I do have some people that I have to get on their cases and say I don't see you posting where you're playing oh, yeah, right. I mean
0: yeah.
2: it's just they, they don't promote themselves at all I actually yeah. on my web page which I have a really nice web page I book hundreds of bands but if you go look not hundreds are on there and I send out one or two maybe three messages here you should be posted on the page and when, if they ignore that request I mean I'll book them but I just don't put them on the page mm. just because you know, some musicians tend to be very lazy, um, yeah. And and then I have others that are just so great at marketing them; they're geniuses. And you know what? Those bands are very busy and they stay busy. But there's a reason because they they really you know promote what they're doing.
0: Well, they treat it like a business,
2: right? I exactly,
0: mean, because that's what it is.
2: It's- well, I get accused all the time that I treat it too much like a business, but it is a business.
1: Well, let me ask you a question about the about the the venue side of it. <clears throat> so, my position has always been. That a venue that relies more on the band is probably going to be a failing venue anyway, because you're basically outsourcing your marketing to someone you don't know. You don't, you know, you, you know, you're not controlling your own destiny. Would you like if a venue advises you? Have you ever been in that situation where the venue oh, is it. like,
2: Go ahead." I, no, I'm in it. I have a <laughs> couple rooms and I, I don't want to start naming it, but I have one venue. They tell me who they want on what nights they want them, whether it be a Friday or Saturday because certain bands draw better on that night and we'll sit down and we'll book the whole year at one shot, but they know who they want and they're good bands and, you know, the bands get paid, but they do fill the room. And then for me to try to put a, in the old days, if I had an upcoming band, it would be easy to throw them into the mix where now it's not that easy for me. I mean, obviously, I've worked for these rooms I have to give them what they want. So when they say we want this band, we want that band, we don't want this band. I have to adhere to that, you know, that advice from them. Yeah,
0: of course. Now, so that, that brings me to a question. Yeah. And I, I think I know the answer, but do you see yourself as working more for the rooms, more for the bands? I mean, what, what how do you balance that so that you know you've always got a roster, but also you're getting the bills paid?
2: Well, I got to walk the fine line. And anybody, any band that has worked with me for a number of years will tell you that I'm very honest with them. I mean, I just had a situation this weekend. I'm not going to name names, but I just, I, I just know other agents that won't do this. I had a band that went into a venue. And I got a text from the owner. He did not like the band and said he was going to probably send them home. He just didn't care for them. And, it, and it's not that the band was bad because they weren't. It just that was personal preference. Sure. He sent them home, didn't pay them the full price. Now, I represent that band, so I feel bad about this, and I don't agree with it. But So on my end, I just put a check in the mail to that band for the difference that they didn't get paid, which I know many agents will not do that. But I back up my bands, and I've done that more than once or twice where – you know a venue is kind of screwed a band and once a venue does that too many times then i'll drop the venue i've i've left venues you know and uh that have had problems with artists and i felt that they were just not being fair to the artists i've given up the rooms i've well, walked away you. from them
0: yeah i i will say that i've played uh plenty of gigs that you've booked you've never you and i have never worked together directly to book a gig but i've played as a drummer on uh on quite a few gigs that you booked And and I've never seen or heard of any issues With the venues They're always top notch venues and, and good people So yeah, that's good
2: yeah, I mean, some of my rooms I've been booking for thirty years. You know, I've like the Portsmouth Gaslight, uh, the yeah. Woodstock Inn. Those are rooms I've been booking for thirty years, and and if I feel if I wasn't doing my job, they would have got rid of me. A oh, long of ago.
0: yeah, right.
2: And <laughs> of and, and, and there's times where they have really good managers, and then they might get a bad manager, and then I got to be careful because then everybody works differently. But generally, um. You know the rooms that I have have been pretty good to me, and I try to you know be good to them.
0: So I, that, that's a question I have, and and you're in a sort of a unique position to answer it. it. When you're dealing with a room, and and I'm talking about a band dealing with a room that that doesn't have representation, uh, you know that just books directly, and then management changes. You know, now, like you said, you've got to you've got to walk into that scenario very differently, even though there's been this relationship that's existed between the band and the 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 entity as the room for years. Any any advice for how to navigate those waters on the early days of a new manager? Yeah, it's kind of
2: hard. I mean, I've had some rooms where a lot of friends play. If they approach me, I just back off because I don't want to be stepping on my friend's feet. You know, I I, I don't want to do that. But if it's going to happen then, you know, I have to go by what they do and I try to be fair to those bands. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't I don't, ever go in and force my win to any room. No, a, I, don't, I, mean, I don't
0: necessarily mean you coming in. I just mean the scenario of you're dealing with one, one manager at a club and then suddenly the management at that club changes. How do you navigate those waters in kind of getting the new manager to know and trust you and all of that stuff?
2: Well, usually the ownership... Well, knows me if I've been book, booking a room sure. for a while. So I mean, there's a lot of times I have a, a relationship with that manager, but my long-term relationship is with the ownership. Got it. Oh, so, um, so and it protects protection in a lot of ways too, because uh, you know, a, a new manager can come in and want to do their whole do what they want to do, and sometimes if that happens, then I'll bow out, you know, gracefully. Sure, um, sure. I, I I've also I've left rooms on my own accord and I don't try to ever own bands. So if I walk away from a room, I tell all my bands, look, I'm leaving on my own accord. If you want to go still work you know, with them, go ahead. You have my blessings. I sure. don't try to own bands and say, well, if you play there, you're going to have to pay me a commission. And there's some agents that do that. So
0: Yeah, I've seen, I've, I've dealt with that. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. All right. So yeah, let me so
2: ask a, couple of, I want to ask a couple questions about
1: representation. So, Local bands, you know, the types of bands Dave's playing in, type of band I play in. What's a first conversation with you like when someone wants to get some representation so they can get some gigs? What's the type of uh, questions you ask them? What are the things you're looking for that'll get your attention, that a band has their act together? Is it purely about music and, you know, you like what they do? Are they unique? You know, how many... How many four-piece classic rock bands are you going to represent at one time? So wh- what is that conversation like when a band calls you up and says, hey, we'd love some representation?
2: Well, well, and that's a good question because it's, it's changing, and that's one of the reasons I kind of bowed out of the band rooms because um, it seems like a lot of the rooms today, they want the newer contemporary music. So um, – you know, I have, to, I, I, I can't, there's a lot of classic rock bands out there and there's a lot of great classic rock bands there, but it's kind of a dying breed with a lot of the newer rooms. They, it's a younger crowd, you know, the millennium and they want, you know, they want the newer type material. So, yep. um, it's kind of why I had to start playing with younger people because, you know, <laughs> no, well, it's true because yeah. what I was doing was becoming a dinosaur. And I said, well, if I want to continue playing, i have got to kind of get in with the younger um, people that are playing. And, uh, but You know, and it's a shame sometimes because there's some really good bands, but they just don't fit into the mix of what that um, owner wants. Um, One of my venues, for instance, what he tells me, and this is the owner telling me if it's on vinyl, it's too old. And that's that's what I have to go by when I'm putting bands into that venue. You know, isn't vinyl coming back? (laughs) <laughs> well i'm just giving you an example
1: yeah. um,
2: and it's hard i have a lot of good friends that play in some great blues bands but the venues that i happen to book do not want blues bands so you know i mean strange brew which um is in manchester they kind of do the blues thing and they do it well and they have a good crowd there. it's a great venue i don't book the venue but mitch does a great job there yeah. and uh you know, but that's where the blues bands go, where I can't book a blues band to save my life just because it's just not what the venues I handle. They don't want that, you know. So, yeah, it's it depends. And, and then I'm getting a little carried away. Also, you say the process. I try to I can't get out because I play a lot, too. So I can't hear every single band. But today, with the technology the way it is, I'll tell a band right off. Send me a couple of YouTube clips of you playing live. So. You know, video doesn't lie. So I can hear them play. I can see how they handle a crowd because everybody has, you know, video clips somewhere. You know. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's so I, that's good advice. I mean, I mean, and that's a good way to vet them because, like you said, it it won't lie unless right. they're really good at, at editing YouTube videos. So. Yeah. And then
2: <laughs> I, and now I'm doing the solo thing. So my uh, my guitar player and I, you know, uh, Nate Comp, who's well known in the air. A great guitar player. Um, he plays with me in the Josh Logan band. We have an open mic, which we've been running for going almost seven years now uh, on Tuesday nights. And what I do, I I've found a lot of great people through that. I use it as a tool for my agency where if someone wants to, you know, do the solo or, um, or solo acoustic or duo thing for me, I say, hey, come in on a Tuesday, get up, do the three songs, and I can see what you're like in front of a live audience. And and usually, you know, you get a good feel of what that person's going to be like, you know, um, out there. So I find that's really helped out. We've found some really, really good young artists, you know, through the uh, process of the open mic.
0: Huh, that's not a – yeah, I've always, as, as a member of a band, I've always kind of begged off of when a club says, come in and play the night for free as an audition – but but what you're saying is, you know, come play three songs. You don't have to bring a PA. Just bring yourself and your yeah, guitar. Yeah, come in, do it, and go just, out. And, yeah, and, and, yeah. And, they, and
2: they don't have to do it that way. They could just send me some taste. But sure. if I hear them live, I get a bit of feel. Yeah, and, and they get to meet uh, them and
0: shake their hand and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that seems reasonable to me in terms of, of that kind of thing. Yeah.
2: Hey, and
1: actually, hey, to Paul, be honest, Yes so I'm, I'm thinking about some of these bands that are playing the newer material. Do you have a small stable of local bands that are playing kind of more what we would used to call top 40? You know, do you have a couple of those that are your go to bands for those corporate environments that they
2: want mm-hmm. to have that younger music playing the new stuff? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have some of the bands. They they have, you know, the songs I, I don't even know that <laughs> they they they're listening to the radio. They know what's popular and they make an effort to learn. Yeah. The new stuff as it comes out and those bands they are successful because to be honest with you your is uh, your success is really based on what your song list is to be honest with you for sure well actually
1: that was my next question so I just kind of want to drill down and kind of like think about what is that path so you tell them to send a couple videos because video doesn't lie I totally get it and then send me your song list because you want to you know see if it's the if it's the right match do you do you, uh how important is the look to you? Like, do they have to dress a certain way? You know, for some of these gigs, you know, or what feedback uh, do you get bands about like
2: their visual presentation? Well, well, most venues, there's no dress code, but I do book, book a few venues where they're kind of upscale, and I tell people right up front, you know, you can't go in with your baseball hat on backwards, your ripped jeans, and your shirt. But I, I mean, I don't have a lot of those, but you have to, you have to dress to the occasion, you know, and. Uh, and, and 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 appearance in those kind of places matters most clubs you can wear what you want but i have a few kind of fine dining upscale restaurants where obviously they tell me right up front you know we have to have a, a certain you know they're not telling them how to dress but they want them to look you know decent yeah absolutely and in some of those rooms they say and we don't want tip buckets you know we don't want this and that so and but most rooms, I, I don't have a lot of those rooms. I have a few, and the people that I put in there, they know right up front. I tell them what's expected, and if they accept the gig, they know you know, they know they what's expected of them. Got it. And most of my guys will adapt to what the occasion is. They want to play. They love playing music, and, you know, it's nice to go into different venues and do different things sometimes. Mm-hmm. For sure. Hey, let me ask
1: you a question about this um, acoustic scene. So Dave and I talk about this a lot because it's kind of like – Solo acoustic duos or you know harmony trios there's a lot of work out here. Um, we have a lot of wineries out here, and there seems to be a lot of work there. but even a lot of restaurants are adding this kind of smaller stuff and uh you know at least here. That's a place where you can play, you know, 70s AM gold stuff. And, you know, that's that's who's out in a lot of these places. What is the acoustic scene like? What are you looking for in terms of repertoire? Uh, You know, what what uh, type of audiences are people playing for? What's the acoustic scene like where you are?
2: Well, again, it depends what the venue is, because, you know, um, like the Portsmouth Gaslight, which you've played before with uh, John and then Yeah, you still many play times. With, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, That's a younger crowd, so obviously they want younger music. Um, so that requires that you just have to know the venues you're booking. Now, the Derryfield Country Club, which is in Manchester, that's uh, it's known as Cougar City. It's kind of an older crowd, and you, <laughs> and, and, it, and, and it's fine. Out on the deck, on the deck, you can get away with pretty much. just as long as it's good and it's fun. It's fine but if you go to the inside lounge then they want the younger kind of music so there's one venue that actually looks for two different things yeah well the, the deck
0: is acoustic and and inside is full electric generally Correct. speaking yeah right but but you
2: I can put a guys that do play some classic of Beatles and this and that and that's fine but inside they want younger music you right. know for the client that's right. inside so it's kind of funny there's a venue where they actually want two different things at two different locations and it
0: works it's a it's a good blend because you get people kind of doing right. either one they can sell to both crowds and right. the, and the and cougars are then, happy out on the deck
2: that's yeah. right and then uh murphy's again that's the younger crowd very young crowd so you yeah. have to go you know to the acoustic guys that are playing the new stuff so yeah it's uh it's everybody wants what they want so <laughs>
0: Well, so what do you do? I mean, it sounds like it, it, in in these cases that you're these examples that you're giving us, these clubs really seem to understand what works in their venue. Uh, do you how do you deal with the clubs that don't get that? Like mm-hmm. they they know they want music, but they sort of shrug their shoulders when you say, all right, great. Tell me what works and I'll bring well, you I'll bring it, you know.
2: Yeah. You know, and a lot of it's trial and error. But I wish it was like the old days where people didn't micromanage their music as as much as they did if you were good that's yeah. all they cared about right and that's that's what i miss and that's why seriously that's why I, i've kind of backed out of the band thing because they tend to micromanage what they want and sometimes it's more for their personal taste than that of the customers With, but you know it's their money they're the owners sure. i have to i will tell them i say you know i think this crowd you can get it with. but they have their own ideas sometimes and you got to go with what they want to do, but I, I, yeah, the venues I find these days, they're really micromanaged, which makes as an agent, it's not fun. I'm more, sometimes I'm tell people I'm more of a calendar manager.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, right. Yeah. That's right. Your business has venues, changed. Yeah. Right.
2: Some venues that I book they have entertainment seven nights a week. And then sometimes on the weekend, twice a day on like Saturdays and Sundays. So you know, I'm pretty organized, and I, I have to be, and get that all scheduled up. And if they have a, a manager that was going to have to do that, that would be a pain in the neck. They don't want to deal with that stuff. They, they get enough stuff on their plate. Then if you said, okay, for the next four or five months, you have to book all this entertainment, and then it takes forever to people get back to one another back to them. And that's sometimes where I benefit the people that work for me. I can load their calendar pretty quickly um, and they don't have to wait for people to get back or not get back. Because even myself, as an agent and a performer, I deal with agents too. And and I find uh, a lot of people today do not get back to you. It's very frustrating. It's
0: frustrating, man. It
2: is.
1: So let's just take the situation. So you're representing one of your few band rooms and I'm a new band that wants to get into your room. What can I do to get your attention? And again, you know, maybe I'm not. You know, let's just use that classic rock uh, uh, genre as an example. What things get your attention? Are you listening to how how respectful the guy is on the phone? Is he listening to you? Are you listening to how competent is he? Is do you do you care how polished his pitch is to you? I mean, what are the things that gets a booking guys? Attention, so he'll listen and consider more. Well, and what, and actually, even more importantly, what's the don't
2: do stuff that turns you off right away? Well, I if someone's really good in making a name for themselves, usually I have so many friends in this business, they will yeah. come to me and say, "Hey, check this band out." They're like unbelievable, and and obviously that's coming from musicians. So I tend to you know take their advice and I'll seek that person out or go check them out or do a search and find them. And uh, you know, I I just. You know, as a musician, if something's good or not so good. And I I mean, a lot of people think they're the greatest man in the world and they're really not. You know, that happens. Of course. Um, (laughs) And it's hard to walk the fine line because they're insulted if you don't like them, but I'll tell you one thing I hate. I absolutely hate. Because even though I'm an Asian, I book certain rooms. I want every room in the area where I live to be successful because it's good for the overall business. Just because I don't want to, you know, I don't book a room or I don't book that venue. I still want them to be successful because it's good for everybody. You know, the whole music scene. Um, Rising tide lifts all boats. That's right. I do have people that call me and right off they'll start with, well, I was at so-and-so and I saw this band and this band and my band's way better than that. You know, we're so much better. I hate that. I don't want <laughs> I don't want someone putting down another band to praise their band. I just right. don't like I don't like that.
0: Right. No. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. No, that, <laughs> that's
2: that's that's, that's and right it. Happens, those, man. And it happens a lot.
1: Wow. And I, I, I would imagine a lot of that is just immaturity or inexperience in how to have the conversation. Right. I, you know, they, they're doing it out of ignorance, not out of uh, you know, maybe some of them are truly boastful or, or prideful like that, but I would imagine someone taking that tact thinks they're being clever,
2: right? Yeah, you I, know. I, I, yeah I think so. But I I just don't think it's a good way to start a conversation. No, I hear you. You say, but I hear you. And the other thing is these there's a lot of bands out there that won't work in this, and they'll say, well, let me see some promo. Um, well, I don't have anything right now. Or I can tell you, I've been sent some things like tapes that were almost like recorded on one of those old time tape recorders. I mean, no, you'd be amazed what I get for promo sometimes. Said, and I try to tell them, especially if it's young people, said, look, you're representing what you do. Make sure, spend the time or even a little money, and make sure you have a good product you're trying to sell, because the first thing I'm thinking, I'm listening to this and this is going to be my impression of what you you know, and I, I've Seen sometimes where, you know, you listen to something and the band's great and then you see them in person. They're not. And then there's other things I've listened to. They don't sound so good. Then you see them in person. They're an excellent. So, yeah, it's 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 tricky. You know, All you right, gotta- so
1: let's try this. So so uh, I'm a new band. Nobody's heard of me. I've got a, I've got a good demo. I've got a representative demo and I call you up and you, you're like, well, I don't got anything for you right now how much do you like to them to follow up and what is the, what is the way that they follow up where they just keep your attention until you have something for them? Are you say, do you tell them, call me anytime? Or you like, you know, don't call me every week. If I have something, I'll call you. What, what is the right way to stay with you until, you know, the, the heavens open up and you have a, the right gig for the right band? Well, it's it,
2: sometimes the heavens may never not open up and sometimes they do, but I, if I'm interested in a band, I'll say, look, I don't have anything right now, but you can check back, you know, um, And one of the ways I can get a new band into a room sometimes, and believe me, with as many things as I have going on, people cancel. Constantly, I have a guy that helps me here in the office. He's actually he's a full time entertainer. He plays seven days a week until he worked in my office. He didn't realize how many people cancel things. I mean, I spend a lot of time redoing things I've already done, which is kind of frustrating sometimes. <laughs> yeah, but because
0: you only but, earn the money once, that's right. <laughs> no,
2: but a, but as a musician, I understand. You know, a band that's playing a club might get a chance to do a wedding and then make the money, and, and I'm fine with that. You know, huh. I just don't want to be doing it all the time. But so, getting back to your point, so. I have bands that cancel, so like this time of year, if someone cancels, it's kind of hard, because most of your good bands are already booked three and four months ahead, so that's the time I can say, hey, look, I have an opening if you want to go in. This is your chance to get in this room, and I'll put them in the mix, and then, you know, the club will hear them and say, hey, those guys were great. We'd like to get them back when we can, or they don't want them back, you know, yeah. and that's the other thing. I'm the agent. I'm going to get you in the room, and a bands forget this sometimes. What you do in that room... Is really up to you whether you're going to be invited back or not. It's not my job to get you invited back. You have to have the goods when you go into that room, so, you know. and
0: Yeah, I'm curious. How much feedback do you get or how much feedback do you solicit from clubs uh, on a regular basis?
2: Well, I say no news is good news. I don't try to open a can of worms because okay. some people say – some people ask me, hey, how did I do? I said, you know what? I didn't get any complaints. So sometimes it's better to just to leave it at that. But believe me, when someone doesn't like someone, they let me know immediately. right away. So, yeah, Like I said, I just had to send a band home this week. Yeah, right. Right. And I, I, I don't think, you know, I didn't think that was very nice of the venue and I don't think it was called for, but they did. Sure. And, uh,
0: so when you, when you put, send a new band to a room, like in this scenario where you've got, you know, a last minute or whatever, and you send a new band in, you don't necessarily overly follow up with the room to find out if things went okay. Um, depends on the room.
2: It depends on the room, but I know most of my rooms now. I know, you know, I know how they are. If they don't like something, they'll tell me don't ever bring that band back again. Or if they did real good, they said, "Hey, they did a great job." I mean, I get good, I, I get good feedback and bad feedback, and I give the bands whether it's good or bad. I let them know when it's good, I give it to them. When it's bad, I let them know because. I mean, but there are some venues, and, I, and more so in the older days, I have managers, and I used to tell them, "Don't do this, please." They'd have a band play that they didn't really like, but they'd tell them, "Oh yeah, we liked you. You know, we'll talk to Paul. We'll get you back." But then they tell me they didn't want them back. And I always tell them, please, if you don't like them, don't say anything. Because yeah. then the band thinks it's me just not wanting to put them back. But I had a lot of managers that used to do that. And I, I used to hate that. Yeah.
0: It's one thing to put the, the grunt work on you. It's another to literally lie to the band and, and then put turning that around on you. Yeah, Right.
2: But, <laughs> but almost almost all my venues, they're good about letting me know whether they like someone or not like someone.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. That's good. That's good. This has been great, man. Paul, uh not nope. do you have any other questions for Mr. No, Kostler this has been here? awesome.
1: So informative and helpful. I'm sure everybody's <laughs> going to enjoy this. But <laughs> this thing- is a st- this is stuff we talk about all the time, but to have, you know, a guy where the rubber meets the road is tremendously helpful. We really appreciate it. But I, I, are
2: we almost done, or right? Because I had we one can, other quick oh, thing.
0: We can go as long as you want. I just, oh, I just you know, had one yeah.
2: other quick thing, and I think you and I had this discussion. I've had, and this is getting scary to me, and I totally understand it as an artist, but I got to tell you, I get a little nervous about where the music is, venues are going because in the last say f- five years, I've probably had about ten to fifteen venues stop having music because of the ASCAP, BMI, and CSAC. Oh, uh, yeah. They're getting clobbered. A little guy starting out. Because I deal with a lot of solo acoustic stuff, like I said now. So they're just starting out. They're not big venues generally. and You know, for them to have music, each one of those associations, they want $1,200 a piece. So you're talking $3,600 to have some live acoustic music. And you and I both know that the artist gets a – pittance of that money right. I, it's too bad that they don't really just have one company you pay because a lot of my uh, clients will pay usually it's ASCAP that finds yeah. you first because they're, they're scrolling Facebook social media it's you as music they, they come in you yeah. pay your 1200 and then a couple months later they say hey I paid ASCAP now this BMI say do I have to pay that I said you do you know yeah. and they said you know what I can't do this and they actually stop having music which is kind of sad
0: wow yeah, I I remember and this was, you know, 100 years ago at a club down in Connecticut. We had, you know, a year's worth of gigs booked or whatever. It was a great room. And uh 2 months in, we played a gig and they're like, "Yeah, this has to be the last one." We're like, well, "Why? What happened?" They like, "Yeah, ASCAP showed up, but it wasn't 1200 bucks. They wanted like 20 grand or something. They were trying to get them in arrears for who knows what. I don't oh, know." Oh,
2: they go, "Yeah, they go by how many seats and yeah. stuff and yeah. Back when I owned my restaurant, I mean, Askap was one of the ones, and I came in, and they—I was just um, a seasonal place because on Lake Winnipesaukee, and they'd oh, okay. work deals with you, but they don't do that anymore. No, and I and I always paid it. I mean, I I agree with what what it does, but in, I just in think,
0: principle, yes, right, yeah.
2: But they got to kind of find a happy medium because for a little guy starting out, that's just—and me being in the food business, I understand costs and bottom lines that um, you know that that can that can kill you. And it's just a shame that some place that would be having music is now not going to have music because of the, you know, because of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess they could go the original, <laughs> but only that's, a route, whole nother, right?
2: that's a whole nother show.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, this is fascinating, man. This is good stuff. It's been good getting to uh, to hear all this, Paul, Paul Kent. You're good. You, you you're you're good on your questions here. All right.
1: Yeah. No, this was fantastic.
0: So, Paul Costly, um, why, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you and and all of that and uh, and you know and then and then we're on our way out. So, what's your website?
2: It's uh, notsocostley.com, dot which is n o t s c o hang on n o t s o. C O S T L E Y. So N O T S O C O S T L E
0: Y dot com. That works. Paul, thanks so much for joining us. That's
2: hey, gentlemen, a, thanks. Really thanks blast, for having me. Man. Like I say, I have uh, many a friend that uh, uh, they're, they're fans of your podcast. They told me about oh, you. So awesome. <laughs> it's great to be on here with you. Cool.
0: Folks, Thank see you. us uh, on Facebook, gitgapodcast.com slash Facebook, where uh, we all chat about this stuff. So it's good stuff. Always be performing, and we'll see you next week.